Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 30th, 2014. And today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page XV. We'll be starting at the very top of that page. It's the new chapter forward to the second edition. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Helene K., the 12 Traditions, Sandy D., Readers of the text, Nicole S., Larry from Chicago, and Mary P. I'm sorry, Marie P. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, September 29, 2014, is 6917. 6917. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will, now, I will now ask Helene Kay to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Helene Kay, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in South Florida. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I will now ask Sandy D. to read the 12 traditions. Morning, this is Sandy D., Recovering Compulsive Overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. 
loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any religious facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, excuse me, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book on page XV, starting at the very beginning of that chapter, forward to the second edition. And I will ask Nicole S. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Nicole S. I'm a compulsive reader. I'm recovered in Colorado. Forward to second edition. Figures given in this foreword describe the fellowship as it was in 1955. Since the original foreword to this book was written in 1939, a wholesale miracle has taken place. Our earliest printing voiced the hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. Already continues the early text, twos and threes and fives of us have sprung up in other communities. Sixteen years have elapsed between our first printing of this book and the presentation in 1955 of our second edition. 
In that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups whose membership is far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. Groups are to be found in each of the United States and all of the provinces of Canada. AA has flourishing communities in the British Isles, the Scandinavian countries, South Africa, South America, Mexico, Alaska, Australia, and Hawaii. All told, promising beginnings have been made in some 50 foreign countries in U.S. possessions. Some are just now taking shape in Asia. Many of our friends encourage us by saying that this is but a beginning, only the augury of a much larger future ahead. And um, this is just shows so much growth, and um, I just want to point out a couple things here. Um, how it said that their membership is far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics, and there again is that um, that you know recovered, um, not uh, working on it or you know uh, working towards it, but but actual recovered. Um, and as we'll see in the next edition, how much you know AA has um, you know grown after this. And then I looked at the word um, augury um, towards the bottom, and that's something that indicates future happenings and saying that many many of their friends saying it's only, you know, the beginning or something that's going to indicate, you know, future, something in the future. And, um, you know, as we'll see in the next edition, how much they've even grown. So um, this is just really encouraging, um, showing the growth of AA and where it starts out, a whole cell miracle has taken place. And um, this, this truly is, is a miracle. And um, something that has just grown and grown, and some, something that that works. Um, and you know, if, if you followed the direction directions in this book, it will um, work into recovery for people. So that's all I have. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nicole. Hi, my name is Charles. I eat too much or recovered. Composer already. Can I share? Yes. Good morning, Charles. Hi. Good morning, visionaries. Man. Uh, Wow. You know, I jumped on this early, got up real early, and I was like, wow. I just want to harp on, you know, the miracle and destination in that paragraph. It's a lot. You know, it's a lot in this uh, second edition, right? Um, the numbers, the stats, uh, you know, destination. For me, it says the last house, on the, this is the last thing that worked for me, the last thing that worked. Right, and, and, you know, when I find my purpose, I have found my purpose in life, then my life has purpose because I want to give this to somebody else. You know, even going through this, I want to give this to somebody else. The stats are important because it's encouragement. It's encouragement for me. It, 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 it challenges, you know, I, I, I woke up this morning like, yeah, visionary, visionary, visionary. You know, I'm Jamaican, and I feel like Captain America up on here because it just it just gives me so much purpose and so much hope to know that all these these things were formulated back in '35, and in 2014, September 30th, is still working for a compulsive overeater like me. You know, I'm here I'm here on this meeting, watching a cat uh, stalk a squirrel. This is life. This is life, and this is my life, and my life is is full of purpose today. And um, you know the destination, man. There's no destination 
but continuing, continuing in this process and believing the process, getting to work on time. You know, I, you know, be, being of service. I remember before, before recovery. You know, I was I was a low down, down low type person, but like my friend Doctor Doctor Phil said, if you have nothing to hide, you're not gonna hide nothing. I let it all hang out. You know, and, and, and you know these these these. You know, thank God to my sponsor. I'm gonna continue to say it every day that we didn't just start on Bill's story because there's a lot here. I can't wait to sink my teeth into the middle of this to the whole thing, into this, this second edition. So much transpired, so much hope, so much people have recovered, so much people. The, the word miracle alone got me, got me excited. I feel like, oh, man, I feel like I can avenge this disease together with you people up on here, my brothers and sisters. And that's all I got. I want to listen to the rest of the visionaries. God bless you all and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read today? Do. Hi, Do. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. to you. I'm so Marie. grateful to be. This is Do Recover Compulsive Overeater. Um, I love this because it starts off with figures given this forward describe the fellowship as it was in 1955. And if we go back to the prefaces, it starts off with figures. So um, what, what is that telling us? To always pay attention to the numbers. Always pay attention to the numbers because that's going to show us if something works. And any time that this book, this book, Alcoholics Anonymous, is introduced anywhere, there is a miraculous growth of people. And, and what is the aim of the book? Is, is to have people get recovered recover from a hopeless state of mind and body. And, and what I see here is that 16 years have lapsed. And this is the second edition. They updated it. And, and they're now showing, first they showed in the prefaces the number of books that were going out. Now they're showing the number of people who have recovered. 150,000 recovered alcoholics in nearly 6,000 groups. Now, if you average that, that's going to be an average of 25 people per group. That is an amazing astronomical amount of people, you know, that are, are getting recovered and holding groups. I mean, we started off with what the big book talks about, twos and threes and fives. Initially, it was a group of twos. It was a group of threes. It was a group of fives. Now we have an average of 25 people per group. That's astronomical. That's something that they, they didn't even think that they were going to do. And then not only does it talk about the number of people, but in the number of places that this is taking place. It's taking place in the United States, in Canada, you know, all over, all over the United States, all over Europe. Um, and it's starting to grow. And, and not only that, but it's talking about the fact that it's being translated in different languages. That's amazing. You know, so this book can work for anyone, anywhere, at any time. You know, in whatever language that you are, you're in, in whatever country that you're in, as long as the book is introduced with the program of recovery, it can work for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Marie. 
Hi, good morning, Marie. Good morning. Uh, thank you for calling on me. Um, since the original foreword to this book was written in 1939, a wholesale miracle has taken place. This refers to the twos and threes and fives groups in other communities. I have to remark on how stunned they would be to hear of a conference call to the whole nation and overseas. A group of our 200 meetings in the individual homes uh, attracting the same meeting and being able to share at that meeting. One meeting whose message can be brought to so many local meetings by the participants of the conference call. It makes me think even further of the moral, moral obligation of people that have so much. We have been given so much, and the only commitment we have to we have to give back is to pass the word along to the others who still suffer. And in doing so, we secure our own recovery. In God, nothing is impossible. Pass. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Marcella. Hi, Marcella. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, what an extraordinary um, two last minutes we have had. I'm just in awe. I'm so enthusiastic and so I'm just so in awe of my recovery. What has been granted to me, despite me, not not because of my virtue or my participation or my goodwill, but but despite my obvious rebelliousness, my my arrogance, my my tendencies to be confrontational and my lack of humility. Um, but we follow this book little by little, the second edition, then the third, then the fourth. Um, it was just released and a special edition of the of the big book and it's like the, the original lookery and the original stories and I'm just in awe of the humility who of the original people who started a vision for you. I just understand that there were forty and that they stemmed up from another conference meeting, but I'm in awe of the humility because uh, they didn't need it to to reinvent the wheel. The wheel is invented and running already. So we just go back to the basics, to the principles of, of, of the big book, and we just apply it for my problem with food and, and volume and obsessions with everything stemming from my addiction and my compulsive overeating, and it works. It's just incredible. And we don't have to reinvent the wheel. So if we want to learn about sponsorship, go to AA. If you want to learn about relapses and want to do after relapses, go to AA. If we have, if we want to learn about the traditions and how to implement them successfully in our own fellowship, borrow the experience of AA. And we want to learn the concepts, go to AA. And if you want to be happy, joyous, and free, it's just like it's not, I'm not saying stop going to a vision for you because I'm here, <laughs> but it is. It is just unity. It's just like it's just the first tradition. It's just learn from the winners. Learn from the winners. Learn from the learn from everybody who has been before me. And I'm just so ridiculously grateful to whoever started this meeting and for everybody who keeps it going. And for that I pass. Thank you. 
Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Janice. Let's see, I heard Janice and one other person. This is Vasa. Did I hear Joan? And then Vasa. And then uh, then Vasa. And anyone else? So I have Janice, Joan, and Vasa. Thank you. Janice, would you start, please? Please. Thank you. Thank you, um, Melanie. Um, Thank you for your service. My name is Janice M. I am a recovered, compulsive, overeater, grateful. Yes. Now, it's talking about the growth. And the growth is today, we're talking about the text. What was it in the text that got got these first down street, low bottom um, alcoholics recovered. Well, what was it? It was the program of recovery, which is the 12 steps. You see, the attraction for the increase in the number, like we see today in the vision for you, is that we have been recovered from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. The obsession has been removed. So these people, these alcoholics, former alcoholics, got recovered. And the second thing was that the families were reunited. Oh, boy, was, isn't that wonderful? Recovered, and then families were reunited. And that brought the growth. And, you know, in the 12 steps, like it was said, the principles of practice, it didn't, this book doesn't tell us what to eat, Oh, the alcoholics, what to drink, and it doesn't tell them how to drink so that they can still be okay or tell us how to eat. It tells us how to live. That was my problem and others that I know. So you see, that's where the mushrooms started growing. And you've ever seen mushrooms grow. They grow and grow and grow and grow. And that's what's, that's behind this text is the attraction. Nobody promoted it. It's the attractions of recovered people and families being reunited. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Joan S. Yes, hi, this is Joan. Um, I, there's not much I can say that people haven't said. I, um, I just think that today, you know, a wholesale miracle today is kind of, we term it going viral. Why does something go viral? because it touches the heart uh, of people. People see that it solves a problem or uh, it works. And for me, that, that has been true. You know, applying these principles to my daily life has worked in my life. And it's just uh, amazing to see how it mushroomed back then without social media, without, you know, the modern-day uh, information age that we have. Um, and that's really all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Joan. Vasa, good morning. Good morning. My name is Vasa. Good morning, Vision, for you and for me. <laughs> and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I found so much hope when I came to recovery. Uh, I was introduced, as I said before, with a big book. And uh, I found hope where I had lost hope over the, my disease. And the direction is right here, and the instructions. And my sponsor said, just follow what people, the winners, what people are doing, and, um, and do what they are doing. And it is amazing this, 
150,000 of people were rec- they recovered. So I needed to look what they were doing. Yes, I did put came for the for the for the food addiction, and it is I'm grateful I was relieved from the compulsive overeating. So what do I do for the rest of my life? With you know, of course I eat. I have to live to eat. I don't live to eat anymore. So and that that's when I was introduced to this twelve twelve steps and, tradi- and the traditions. Um, so I'm just so grateful. I know at the beginning my it was hard for me because I was not an alcoholic, I was a food addict, you know. And she said, well, just cross alcohol and put food. And then I could relate, you know, then. Of course, I was not, I hadn't committed these big, huge crimes. I was not in jail. I wasn't falling drunk on the streets, you know. But there's only a small percentage of alcoholics. But I've heard also compulsive overeaters where they've lost families, They've lost, they've divorced, and, you know, they've lost their lives over our, my, my addiction. My mother, you know, it killed her. So I had an example right here in front of me what not to do. And thank you, God, that I have the program. My mother did not have this, you know. She didn't have programs. She didn't have counseling, whatever. But anyways... I'm just so grateful for the people that went before, wrote this book, and it's spread all over. I know my time is up. I remember going to Europe, and there was a meeting in Greece, and I took out somebody's number, but the transportation was so bad I couldn't find the meeting, so I brought my literature. Thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And thanks for all that shared. Um, we'll move on now with the, sec- uh, the next paragraph, which will be paragraph three. Larry, would you read that for us, please? Sure. Melanie, thanks for your service. Larry, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Uh, the spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. Six months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford groups of that day. He had also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism, who is now accounted no less than a medical saint by AA members and whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. Though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personal defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. Okay, so, um, you know, what, what pops out for me in, in this paragraph, there's, you know, a number of things. Um, First, you know, where it says the broker has been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience. So what I know about Bill is that, you know, the obsession of the mind that we talk about was driven out. You know, it was extracted as the result of having a vital spiritual experience. It doesn't really matter, uh, you know, the fact that his was sudden, mine wasn't sudden. Um, that, That doesn't matter. The point is, is that he had a vital spiritual experience. And, you know, it talks about some of the Oxford group tenants, uh, 
the moral inventory, the confession of defects, restitution for harms done, helpless, uh, helpfulness to others, and dependence upon God. You know, these were all the things that are embedded in, in the steps that, that we follow. That's, this was a miracle, you know, a miracle, a surprising and welcome event. That, you know, the, the key is it could not be explained by, by natural or scientific laws. And so, therefore, Bill's transformation was the work of a divine source. I'm living today because of, of that same divine source. I mean, that, that is a fact. Um, and that was the very same d- divine source that was the spark, actually, that brought together Bill and, and Dr. Bob in 1935 in Akron, Ohio. And so also we learn, uh, what other, the other thing that pops from me is we learn of the grave nature of alcoholism. You know, to be grave, obviously, is to be associated with death. And I can tell you that I personally know of, of many uh, people who have died of this disease. Yet, you know, sadly, I know of a much larger number of people who are presently experiencing a different sort of death. You know, I'm, I speak to them every day, um, and I call this experience, and I, I, I experience this, I call this the, the walking dead. You know, they're, they're, they're breathing all right. You know, their hearts are beating for the time being, blood's coursing through their veins, but they're not truly living. They're imprisoned mentally and physically, you know, caged in misery. They're enslaved by the obsession. Food is, is their master, was for me. And anxiety, fear, resentment, uh, apathy, that was uh, my constant companion. You know, and some wish for the end. But how utterly amazing and hopeful that a wholesale miracle is taking place. You know, through these steps, we're transformed. We're transformed from a place of, you know, many of us, uh, you know, how can we go on? To a life, you know, I, I, was, I was transformed from the scrap heap of life. You know, the literal scrap heap of life. I, I look good on paper, you know, but, um, but I was, I was uh, a prisoner to my misery. And I knew there was no way out until I took my medicine, the prescription, these steps. And then I was transformed. And now my life has changed. My thinking has changed. All manner of living has changed. Relationships, everything has changed. You know, one can become recovered, and so what? What a beautiful, what a beautiful paragraph! And uh, and thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Who would like to comment on what was read? Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. Okay, I did hear Sharon. someone else. I think. Okay, great. Thank you, Kathy, and then Sharon. Good morning, Thanks. Kathy. Thanks for your service. Um, I'm Kathy, a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston, and um, oh, this paragraph is so chock full of information and insight, and I would like to just comment on the last sentence there, or part of it, where it says, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. And this is uh, exactly what the steps enable us to accomplish. And I have to say that for many years um, I was in and out of therapy uh, taking moral inventory and confessing my personality defects and really developed 
quite a bit of self-awareness and self-knowledge. But those were only two elements of what we need to do in order to recover. Um, And it wasn't until um, I worked the steps thoroughly with a sponsor that I was also able to recognize the harms I had done to other people, make restitution for them, begin helping others, and, of course, finding a a connection with my higher power. And it was that last piece that I was so skeptical of, having been uh, an agnostic all my life, Um, and... um, I remember it was simply hearing from others uh, how they uh, suspended their belief long enough to be open-minded and willing to consider the possibility of a higher power who could help me navigate these steps. And I can say today um, that I aim for these elements of my recovery every day um, through my 10th, 11th, and 12th steps. Um, it was They were um, begun for me uh, as I worked through steps 1 through 9, and now I continue on them on a daily basis. So I, I really think this last sentence um, outlines beautifully exactly what we're doing when we're working through the steps with the help of this book, our community, and a sponsor, and a loving God. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Sharon H. Oh, thank you, Melanie. Uh, This is Sharon H. in Colorado, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And um, I just love this because uh, a year ago I wrote this definition down here from hearing it on Vision for You, but the spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. And I have down here that spark, the definition of spark is um, to kindle, electric charge, trace of life or vitality, and um, that's exactly what happened when Bill met with Dr. Bob, and that was the beginning, you know, 1935, this is 2014, I had, it's over 75 years ago, I guess, and, and then to find that as a result of that, and what Bill had been trying to do for the first six months of his sobriety and didn't have success but kept himself sober, Dr. Silkwood told him, you need to tell these people about the grave nature of alcoholism. And that's what I heard on this line back in 2012 was the grave nature of compulsive overeating and food addiction. And so uh, the harsh reality of that finally hit home and struck a chord with me. And then what happens? The spark turns into action. And they're describing basically the steps four through nine, and then the ability to depend upon God, not ourselves, to um, be freed from <clears throat> that obsession of the mind and that seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and then live at, on a daily basis in steps 10, 11, and 12. So 
I just love this paragraph because it did come alive for me and it did spark that, uh, a life and vitality that I had not had, had not had with this particular addiction. Um, I could get absent, but I couldn't stay absent. And so I am just so grateful today to see that um, God can do for us what we, we can't do for ourselves. But there are certain things we must do, and that's the steps. And um, so I'm just so grateful to be here today and be a part of it, and I just want to welcome anyone new on the line and those that are um, like me that have been around for a long time but um, just did not see the truth. And today, by God's grace, I do, and I'm so grateful to be here. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Monica. Hi, good morning, Monica. And... uh, did I hear do? Yep, hi, do. Monica, do, and then I believe I heard Sarah W. Yes. Good morning, Thank Monica. You. We'll go that way. Thank you. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here in this paragraph, uh, it was the spark, that little spark, that little itty-bitty little uh, flicker of light was, is going to flare. It's going to become bigger. And it happens when... A New York stockbroker, and this is Bill W., and an Akron physician, me, and this is Dr. Bob. And they are the co-founders of AA. And it says here that, you know, that Bill had been relieved of his drink obsession earlier, six months earlier, following a meeting with an alcoholic friend. And that friend's name was Ebby Thatcher, E-B-B-Y-T-H-A-C-H-E-R. And we will hear about Ebby again. And um, so Bill got information from Dr. Silkworth about the physical and mental aspect of his disease and that he needed uh, a spiritual um, solution. And Abby brings to him information of the spiritual solution with the Oxford group. Now, Dr. Bob had already been going to the Oxford group for two and a half years And every week he continued to get drunk. And Bill brings to him information that he has a disease. So, you know, wow, how everything just came together here. God obviously had this all planned, that they would come together. And finally, these two together would have the problem and the solution, and they would start something that was going to be... um, Um, has grown to beyond anybody's expectations. And as a result, here we are today in 2014 on this line talking about the solution. And I pass. Thank you, Monica. Do. You're next. Good morning. Um, Do again, Recover Compulsible Reader. I I love this. It starts off with the result. (laughs) Relieved from the drink obsession by sudden spiritual experience. And What is the obsession? The obsession is an excessive, irrational mental attachment, a persistent or disturbing preoccupation with often unreasonable idea or feeling. Uh, Of course, for us, it's over the food. Um, For Bill, it was over the um, alcohol. Compelling motivation or fixation or compulsion. And he was relieved. That was the result. But how did he get the result? You know, it tells us very clearly that the formula, they're going to give us the formula here. So it's very important for us to pay attention to what that formula is. First, it says that 
he got another alcoholic friend, somebody that identified with his problem, someone that knew about how to get this solution um, and how to apply the solution. But first he had to know the problem. He had to know what was the problem. The problem is that he has a grave nature, an illness that's called alcoholism. For us it's compulsive overeating. You know? And then uh, once he knew the problem, then he needed to know what the solution is. The solution is found in the, in the 12 steps. Now you're, you're probably wondering, well, there's only six steps here. Um, how, how did we come up with the 12 steps? Well, if you go to page 263, it says that the six-step program was complete deflation, dependence and guidance from a higher power, moral inventory, confession, restitution, continuing to work with other alcoholics. And Bill, uh, through divine uh, inspiration, um, looked at these six steps and turned them into 12. And if you look at the steps, it says complete deflation. That's step one, admission. Um, dependence and guidance from a higher power, he turned that into steps two, three, and step 11. Moral inventory, that was step four. Confession, that's steps five, six, and seven. Restitution, steps eight and nine. Then a combination of steps um, three, four, and five became step 10, um, which was steps four through nine. And then uh, continue to work with others was step 12. So he... He did all the steps. You know, people say, well, there was only a couple of steps back then, um, only six steps and four absolutes. Well, yes, but, you know, all the steps are there. All the steps are there. Um, he just decided to break it down in a simpler form for us so that we can better understand it. And then, you know, not only did, did we have to know the problem and the solution, but now how to apply it. That's where Abby Thatcher came in because he had the experience. The experience is that he went through it from the beginning to the end and he knew the conclusion. The conclusion was he was relieved from his alcoholism and then he was able to pass that on to Bill. Bill, in turn, he understood the grave nature of the problem. He understood how to apply the solution and he was able to bring this over to uh, Bob. You know, and that's how this program got started. And it's so beautiful that this tells us not only how to get the um, solution, how to apply it, but it also gives us the result. And if I'm not getting the results in each of these steps, then I'm not doing the steps correctly. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Sarah W. Good morning. This is Sarah W., Graceful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, well, first I'd like to welcome everybody out on the line that's new or that's uh, just coming in. And, um, you know, we're, we are talking, you know, I thought Du did a beautiful job and everybody before that about um, about where we were talking about, you know, the beginning of the AA program. Uh, and, you know, it's amazing when you read in here when it says, that he was relieved. He was relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience following a meeting with an alcoholic friend. Uh, and, you know, I thought the history was explained so well and the tenants on page 263, which were the beginning of it. But, you know, I was thinking to myself my own history 
how many people have come into my life through this program and helped me understand the grave nature of my disease. Um, and it was that, you know, was not to be missed. I mean, I just, um, you know, I came in in 95, 1995 at 222. Um, you know, and I, I'm no longer overweight. Uh, I'm a healthy person um, that uh, really has a way to live today because of what this program has offered me. And uh, that's what can be true for all of us. You know, it's just taking the steps that we need to to get to the place that we need to be. So I hope you'll all keep coming back and that you'll reach out to other people because Bill didn't do it on his own. He needed other people too, and so do we. So I hope you keep coming back, and with that, I'll share. Stop sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else that wants to share on this paragraph? Sally? Oh, hi, Sally. Good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, A Vision for You. This is Sally A., a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. Um, I just wanted to share about uh, this first sentence, and I even it really encompasses the whole paragraph, but this first sentence really does speak volumes. It says, the spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck, not in New York, but in Akron, Ohio, in June of 1935, during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. And when we take a look at um, Dr. Bob's nightmare, the very, very first part of the story of Dr. Bob's nightmare on page 171, it tells us a co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, the birth of our society dates from his first day of permanent sobriety, June 10th of 1935. Very interesting that they're telling us here on the bottom of XV, Roman numeral 15, that the spark that was to flare, the first AA group was struck in Akron, Ohio in June of 35, which was, but, you know, the connection is Dr. Bob. And it goes on to tell us that six months earlier, this broker, Bill W., had suddenly had this spiritually, spiritual experience. And, of course, I loved all the shares and, and everybody put this all together so beautifully, um, you know, tying together the fact that Bill W. had this, this, this experience where he was in the hospital and he, he learned from Dr. Silkworth um, what's wrong with him, the problem. And we see that on page seven in his story. But we also see that after he finds out what's wrong with him, the problem, that he walks away from the hospital only to get drunk again because it wasn't until page eight that Abby came and brought him the Oxford group. What, what I, what I, I know this has been shared already but by Monica and, and so many other precious things have been shared. And, but the interesting thing to me is that when he goes six months later, Despite the fact that this man has the two key pieces to the puzzle, he understands what the problem is. He, he knows he's got a, an allergy of his body. He's got a problem with his mind that leads him right back to the, um, to the drink, just like we have this compulsion that leads us right back to the food because of the marbles rolling around in our brain with our mind problem. But it's not until he goes and meets Dr. Bob six months later and he brings to Dr. Bob these important two components. And here's Dr. Bob who's got this, he's got the Oxford group, he's got that piece of the puzzle, 
but he doesn't understand the nature and the severity of what he's dealing with. He doesn't have the problem nailed down. And so here, the, the beautiful thing to me is that it's a we program, and that's the point I want to make this morning, is that it's the birth of our society, the birth of, the, of this conclusion of our getting well through this program. The birth doesn't happen with Bill W. getting well and having the two pieces. The birth of this program is the we, because we need each other. And I'm really convinced if we just understood the problem, if I just understand what's my problem, and if I also understand the solution, it's not enough. It's that I need you. It's the we. That's why the birth of this whole program happened six months later when there was a we between Dr. Bob and Bill W. in June of 1935. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Is there anyone else that wants to share on this paragraph? Renata. Hi, good morning, Renata. Hi, Melanie. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata, recovered compulsive reader in New York. I want to focus on, from this doctor, the broker had learned the great nature of alcoholism. Um, though he could not accept all the tenets of Oxford Group, he was convinced I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, to me, it says that Bill could finally, you know, like he, he got the problem. Like for me, until I completely understood the nature of my disease, that I am completely powerless over, you know, my compulsion, I wasn't willing to do the steps. You know, uh, until I could look at it, like it says on page 75, you know, as a life and death errand, I wasn't willing. And so this says to me that Bill, even though he couldn't accept all the tenets of the Oxford group, he was desperate enough to try. You know, until I am desperate enough, until I completely admit defeat, powerlessness, over my disease, over my compulsion. I'm not going to do the work that is required to have a spiritual experience. But as soon as I can admit that I am completely hopeless, completely helpless against this disease, then I'll do whatever is presented to me. I'll pick up the, the spiritual solution and do the work. Thanks for letting me share my best. Thanks, Renata. Hi, uh, if there is room for another share this morning before we wrap this up. Does anyone else out there want to share? Mary B. Yeah, I guess. Oh, here, three. So I think I heard Mary D. first. Mary, and, Mary um, if there's, And if there's time, we'll go with Mary Agnes and after Mary D. this time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, uh, Mary D. Thank you. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Okay, great. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for um, for this meeting and everyone who shared this morning. Uh, I, I'm Mary B. from Lake Balboa, California, and I am a recovered compulsive eater. I, um, in reading this and listening to everybody share a few months ago, I was on a road trip to Ohio, and on the way home we passed through Akron, and we stopped at and visited Dr. Bob's home. 
which is a uh, historical site, and um, it was a wonderful experience to be there and to see all the photographs of Dr. Bob and Bill uh, W., and to see where the first meetings were held, and uh, the pictures of the early AAs, and um, it, it was a very, very interesting visit. And I also visited the Mayfair Hotel, Mayfair, Mayflower. Oh, anyway, I'm sorry, my 77-year-old head is forgetting. Uh, where Bill W. came down the stairs and saw the bar and wanted to go in and drink, but decided instead to go to the phone. And I could see the doors where the bar was and also where that payphone was. And my husband took a picture of me standing on the stairs, but I just stood there and became aware of the choice that Bill made that day or that evening and decided rather than go into the bar, he found another alcoholic, which was Dr. Bob in the hospital, who was in the hospital. And, uh, and it's a beautiful building. Um, I didn't know what to expect. It's no longer a hotel. It's a residence for like the homeless. And, um, but it's beautifully kept. It's a lovely place. And if anybody has an opportunity to visit these sites in Akron, it's uh, definitely worthwhile. Um, but that choice, I, I just thought an awful lot of the choice between having a drink and using the phone. And I'm so grateful today that I have the opportunity to use the phone to reach out to so many compulsive overeaters. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Mary. And we have run out of time. So Mary Agnes, I hope that you can stay for the next hour. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who shared today. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Marie P., would you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant yes. to be suggestive only. Hi, good morning. Yes, I, yes, I will. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't have the page open. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge, as you trudge the, the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.